done. The theme for the next five years, as I've told you, is possessing the nations. But what is going to happen within these five years is that every year, God will give us a theme out of this general theme or a topic out of this general theme. And so we're going to have the next five years possessing the nations, but in each year, we shall have a specific area we shall be looking at. And for the year 2019, for the year 2019, our theme, as the Lord has given us through the leadership of the church, is I will build my church. Shall we all say it together? One more time. There are two scriptures attached to this theme. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. Matthew 16 verse 18. And then Titus chapter 2, 13 to 14. Matthew 16 verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. Now let's try to say it together. Ready, go. Let's say it together. And I, and I tell you, maybe say it after me. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. This one too should be part of you. It can be part of the test. So when, after greeting and singing the song and then you start, and I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The second scripture, so far as this year's theme is concerned, is in Titus chapter 2, verse 13 to 14. We shall read together. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself for his own possession and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. And so these are the two scriptures we're going to use. So all our programs and activities will be centered on this theme. I will build my church and we'll try to understand the theme and see the application of this theme to our lives and every aspect of our life. And all these things are geared towards possessing the nations. And we want to take over the entire world for our God. Amen. And so this morning, I want to just speak briefly on the theme for the year. 
And in the next Sundays ahead of us, we would have men and, men and women of God teaching us various aspects of the theme to the glory of God. So I am talking briefly on the theme, I will build my church. And my scriptures are what I have already read. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, and Titus chapter 2, verse 13 to 14. As I examine the scripture, the first one, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, two things came into my mind. The first thing that came into my mind is this. The church is being built by Jesus. The church of God is being built by Jesus. For he said, I will build my church. And so building the church is not the responsibility of any man. The building of the church is the responsibility of Christ, God. He said, I will build my church. What has been given to us to do is for us to go into the world and preach the gospel. So the preaching of the gospel has been given to men, but the building of the church is his work, is his responsibility. But these days we see that things are being turned around. People want to build churches and have left the going into the world for some few people. But we need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that the church is being built by Jesus. And our responsibility is to go into the world and preach the gospel. In actual fact, having read through the scriptures, I have not found where we have been told to build a church. But what we have been told to do is to go and preach is to go and make disciples of all nations. But he, his responsibility, is the building of his church. And so the first thing that we need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, is that the church is being built by Jesus. And it is him who builds his church. And our responsibility is to make disciples of all nations. Can I hear amen? The second thing that comes to my mind, church, is that the church is strong and solid. The church, it is strong and it is solid. The Bible says that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. So Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So the church of God is solid. It is strong. And the gates of hell together, put together, cannot stand up against the church. Now, this doesn't mean that the church is to be defensive. No. The church is an offensive one. The church is to attack. In actual fact, later on we get to know in the coming weeks that the church is an army of the Lord. It is an army of the Lord that it is not a defensive church. And so sometimes when we talk about the gates of hell shall not prevail, sometimes we come to the understanding that probably we are to be on defensive. No, 
the church is strong and it is solid. It is a going church. It is a moving church. Nothing can stand against the church of Jesus Christ. The phrase, the gates of hell, simply refers to the authority of the devil. Principalities, powers, darkness. And the Bible says that the gates of hell cannot stand the power of the church. The gates of hell, principalities, demonic powers, the devil put together cannot stand the powers of the church because the church is for the Lord. He is building his church. The church is solid. The church is on a firm foundation. The church is strong. The power of God is in his church. And the devil and his agents put together cannot stand against the church. And so he says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. When Jesus says, I will build my church, we need to understand what he's really talking about. What is the church? What kind of church is he talking about? In other words, when we say the church, what does the church really mean? And I will attempt to explain the church the way the Lord has granted me an understanding unto it. I believe that when we talk of the church, it is the body of believers who have been called out from the world and under the dominion and authority of Jesus Christ. The body of believers who have been called out from the world and under the dominion and authority of Jesus Christ. There are three issues out of this definition that I need to bring your attention to. One, the church is the body of believers. And when we say believers, believers in who? Believers in what? When we talk of believers, we are talking about believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. People who have believed in Jesus Christ and accepted him as Lord and Savior. So when we are talking about the church, we are not just talking about a denomination, but we are talking about the body of believers, people who have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior and have believed in him. Now what it means is this, your being part of the church begins with your acceptance of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In actual fact, you can be in the church of Pentecost, you can also be in the Presbyterian church, you can also be in the uh, Assemblies of God or any other church and may not be part of the church. You can be in the church, but you have not accepted the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Your, your being part of the church 
begins with your, your accepting the lordship of Jesus Christ, believing in him and accepting him as Lord. And so the church is not a mere society, people of God. The church is not just a club. The church is not a secret society. It is the body of Christ. The body of believers. Indeed, you must accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And that is the only way you can be part of the church. Take away Jesus from the church. And the church is not a church. Take away Jesus from the church. In fact, the church minus Jesus is, a, is like an ordinary, ordinary uh, society, group. And so, your being part of the church begins with Jesus, accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. If anybody is hearing me who has not given his life to Jesus Christ, you may be part of the biggest church in the whole world, but you are really not part of the church of Christ. Because it begins with Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the beginning and the end. And so, when we say the body of believers, we are talking about the people of God, people who have accepted Jesus and have believed in him and accepted him as Lord. But if you look at the definition, it goes further. It says that the church is the body of believers who have been called out from the world. And that brings me to the second issue I want to comment on. That we have been called out from the world. Now when we say we have been called out, it simply means we have been set apart for his purpose. We have been called out. We have been singled out. We have been called out for his purpose. You know, he has an agenda. God has a purpose and an agenda. And to fulfill his purpose and his agenda, he has called out the church. And so the church, therefore, has been called from the world to implement and perpetuate the agenda and the purpose of God. And that is why we exist. And that is why we are here. As a church, we have been called out of the world to perpetuate the agenda of God. He has a purpose. He has something he wants to accomplish. But he has decided to work with men and through men. And so he has called out the church to implement and perpetuate the agenda and the purpose of God. It is like the call of Abraham. When God called Abraham, it was not just for a fan. But God called Abraham because he had a purpose. He had an agenda. And the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. So that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And listen. And in your families. 
and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so when God called Abraham, he had an agenda to bless the whole world through his family. And so God called Abraham out of idol worship, out of a, 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 a land that was, was in idol worship and they didn't know the Lord as it were. But God called him for a purpose to fulfill his agenda that through him, Christ may be revealed to the entire world. Likewise, God has called the church. He has called the church out of this world. And the reason why he has called the church is that he has an agenda. The reason why he has called the church is that he has a purpose. And just as God called Abraham to perpetuate his agenda, God has called the church to fulfill his purpose on earth. And so, what Abraham and the people of Israel could not do, God has chosen the church to achieve just that. And so the church is a spiritual Israel that is on agenda of God to implement and to perpetuate and to bring to fall the agenda of God. And I pray that we shall understand this. That church is not just about coming and singing, praise and worship, and dancing alone, and doing all kinds of things. They are all part of it. But one important thing that we need to understand is that there is a bigger agenda of God, and he has called the church to pursue that agenda. And then, the third thing is this. Let's look at the definition again. The church is the body of believers who have been called out from the world and are under the dominion and authority of Jesus Christ. And so it is important for us to understand that the church is not under the dominion and authority of anyone, but the church is under the dominion and authority of Christ. Listen carefully. Human beings are not the head of the church. And when we talk of the head of the church, we are talking about Christ. We are talking about Jesus. So the church is under the authority and the dominion of Jesus Christ. The reason why the church is under the authority and dominion of Jesus Christ is that Christ is the head of the church. The Bible says that for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And so when we talk about the church, the head of the church is Christ. May leadership understand this, that there is a head and the church is under an authority. The church is under the dominion of one person. And the church is under the dominion and authority of Jesus Christ. Because he is the head of the church. I say again, that Christ is the head of the church. And the church is not under the headship of any person, but Christ. It is him who said, I will build my church. The building of the church 
is never in the hands of a human being. No human being has ever built a church. It is him who says, I am building my church. And sometimes people take certain credits they shouldn't take. That I have built a church. And my church, and in my church, I may I mention this, that nobody has a church. It is him alone who builds his church. He says, I am building my church. And because he is building his church, the church is under the authority of him who is building his church. The church is under the dominion of him who is building his church. In actual fact, the Bible says that he gave himself up for the church. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. No human being has died for a church. No human being has given himself up for a church. Of course, there have been martyrs, people who have been killed by reason of their commitment to Christ. But the Bible says that it was Christ who died for his church. And so the church is under the authority and dominion of him who died for his church. And so we need to understand these three important things. That first of all, the church is the body of believers, people who have accepted the lordship of Jesus Christ. And to be part of the church, you must have accepted him as Lord and Savior. We need to also understand that the church has been called out of this world. But it doesn't end with just the calling. But God has called us to perpetuate his agenda, to fulfill his agenda, and to, to continue with his purpose. And we need to understand also that the church is under the dominion and authority of Jesus because he is the head of the church, because it is him who says, I am building my church, and because it is him alone who gave himself out for the church. Can I hear amen, church? Please, are you following me? There are a few statements I want to make concerning the church. And like I told you, what I'm trying to do is just to give an overview, an introduction, because our fathers and other people will come and do the detailed work later. One important thing that we need to understand is that the church, though has been called out from the world, the church has been sent back to the world. God's agenda doesn't end with our calling and separation from the world. He has called us and has separated us from the world. But it doesn't end the story. That is not the entire picture. He called us out of the church, out of the world. But he has sent us back to the world to minister to the world. In actual fact, he has sent us back to the world as missionaries to the world. And so wherever we find ourselves, we are supposed to be missionaries there. God has planted us there as missionaries. So he called us from the world. 
But we didn't keep us here alone. But he has released us into the world to go and play the role of light and salt in the world. And so, wherever you find yourself, as I said from the beginning, you are supposed to be a missionary to the world. God has sent you there. In actual fact, there, is, there shouldn't be any difference between our Christian life and what we call our secular life. No. Because wherever we are, we are supposed to be missionaries of God there. And so if I am an accountant, I must remember that God has called me out of the world and has released me to the accountancy profession as a missionary there. And that I am supposed to play the role of light and salt there. If I am a medical doctor, then I need to understand that God has called me out of this world and has sent me to the medical profession as a light and salt there. And I'm supposed to be a missionary there. If God has called me and made me a banker, a lawyer, a judge, God has made me a business person, I am supposed to portray Christ wherever I find myself. Because we have been called out of the world, but have been released back to the world as missionaries to him. And so he called us, but he didn't call us for us to be in isolation or to live on an island, but he called us and gave us to the world as light and salt of the world. If we fail to be missionaries, then in actual fact, we have disappointed God and we have failed God. For his agenda, it was not just to call us and to make us happy alone here. We come, we sing, we have beautiful choir, we have beautiful instrumentalists, we have a beautiful church, we have a beautiful cathedral, we come to church, we are happy, we pride ourselves that we are this, don't you know we are PIWC and that kind of thing. That does not end the story. But the larger picture is that when he called us, he has released us to the world for us to impact the world. And so you are supposed to be an impact and of course a positive one wherever you find yourself. And when everybody sees you, the person must see that that is Christ going. Christ must be seen in you. Christ must be revealed in you. People who do not know Christ, when they're looking for Christ and they lift up their eyes and they see you walking around, they must be able to say that this is the Christ because you reveal Christ wherever you are. And I believe that there must be a distinction between our life and that of the world. In fact, we cannot talk like the world will talk. We cannot behave like the world will behave. We must show the way for others to follow. We must be exemplary unto others because we have been called out of this world and have been released to the world as missionaries to the world. And so if we sing their song, and we do all that they are doing. And there is no, we cannot, people cannot identify the Christ in us. We have indeed failed as a church. I was, I was thinking about Ayawaso. I've been thinking, to be honest with you, I've been thinking about Ayawaso. One by elections. So I'm asking, 
whether security people, whether whatever, whatever, the gunshots and those things that happened, did we have a Christian in there? What did the Christians do? What did the Christians say? I've been thinking. So what are we doing as a church? It is not Ayawasu alone. When you, we talk about corruption, we talk about uh, corruption in the system, that, oh, the country, there's corruption, there's this, there is that. But you go and ask their names. If it's not Samuel, he is Nehemiah. If it's not Nehemiah, he is Melchizedek. <laughs> so what are we doing as a church? What are we doing as Christians? But we are supposed to be the light of this world and we are supposed to, be, to have an impact Positive one, of course, on this world. God is calling you as a missionary to wherever you find yourself. As a student, when you are preparing for exams and they bring you the questions, they they bring you to you. As a child of God who doesn't believe in cheating and knows that cheating is wrong, you must look at the apple and say, to hell with this apple. Do I have some students in the house? We are supposed to be missionaries. We are supposed to reveal Christ to the entire world. The world must see Christ in us. And remember, in the church of old, nobody went out there and announced to the people that, look ye me, I am a Christian. But the people looked at them, saw their lives. Can the students listen to me quietly? They looked at their lives and they looked at them and they said, ah, is this not the Christ? This is a Christian. Why did they name them Christians? Because they had seen something. They looked at, the Sahindrin looked at Peter and Co. They looked at them and said that, ah, but these are not educated. These are ordinary men. These are this, these are that. These are fishermen. But they saw something. They saw that they had been with Christ. If we have been with Christ, we must have an impact on the world. If we have been in Christ, our lives must reveal that we are Christ's life. We are Christ's life. And so, sometimes when we think, we look at the things that is going on in the nation, the corruption in the nation, traffic light is showing red, but a believer, a child of God, he has seen the red. But he says that yellow means go faster. <laughs> yellow means go faster. What are we talking about? I come under the authority of Christ to announce and to remind you that you are a missionary to the world. And as you go to the world, reveal Christ to the world. The church has been called out of the world, but we have been sent back to the world as light and salt. What kind of light have you been? And what kind of salt have you been? Can I hear amen? amen? The next thing I need to say as we try to end. The church was founded by him alone. It is him. Listen carefully. Jesus does not have a co-founder so far as 
the church is concerned. He does not have a co-founder. The church was founded by him. And listen, church, it cost him his blood to obtain the church. It cost him his blood. In Acts of the Apostles, chapter 20 and verse 28, the Bible says that pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to take care of the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. And so it cost somebody his blood. It cost Jesus his blood. And when they were crucifying him, when they were whipping him, they didn't know that by that he was obtaining his church. But Jesus suffered for his church. He went through pain for his church. He was whipped. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They disgraced him. And finally, he was nailed to the cross. And he obtained his church. Stop taking that credit for yourself. Men of God, stop taking that credit for yourself. For Jesus does not have a co-founder so far as the church is concerned. The church was founded by him and him alone. And he took his blood to obtain the church. May I take this opportunity to talk to leaders. If you are a leader of God's church, be careful the way you handle God's church because it cost somebody his blood. It cost Jesus his blood. And so, you cannot handle the church of God anyhow. Talk to the church of God anyhow. Treat the church of God anyhow. Handle the church of God anyhow. For it cost him his blood. And if it has taken him his blood to buy something, you think that he will look down unconcerned? So, nobody is a co-founder so far as the church of God is concerned. Finally, the foundation of the church is Christ himself. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So the church has been built on the rock, and the rock is Christ. So the foundation of the church is no other thing. I remember in COP we used to have an old song. Asori nefapem any crystal. Some of you may know Urasafu and they would know how to sing that. The foundation of the church is Christ. It is no other person. It is not a human being, but it is Christ. The Bible says that no other foundation can be laid other than that which has already been laid, which is Christ Jesus. He is the rock on which we stand. He is the rock on which the church stands. And that is why I am confident when I say that the church is solid, the church is strong, and that the gates of hell, powers and principalities, demonic authorities, cannot stand against the church for the church is built on Christ, the solid rock on which we stand. 
as I conclude, let me make this statement that if the church has been built on Christ, then I want to encourage you to build your life on Christ and on Christ alone. The foundation of the church is Christ. And if the foundation of the church is Christ and you are part of the church, then your life must be built on that foundation, which is Christ. Some of us are building our lives on many other things. Some of us are building our lives on arms band. Because I have an arm band on my hand, it is that which protects me. Some of us are building our lives on anointing oil and holy water and uh, uh, so many things, salt and so many things that's going on. But I came to tell you that on Christ, Christ alone is the solid rock on which we can stand. If you build your Christian life on any other thing, it will fail. It will fail. Christ is the rock, the solid rock. And so when your life is built on Christ, I'm telling you, the wind will blow, the storms will come, the rain will come. But because you are built on the solid rock, you shall stand. But build your, 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 build your life on any other thing. And tomorrow that thing that you have built your life on is no more. If some of you are building your lives on pastors and, and your, all your hope is on a particular pastor. But tomorrow that pastor is dead. Tomorrow that pastor is gone. And if all your hope is in that pastor, I tell you your hope has been dashed. Some of you are building your life on so many other things, which is not on Christ. But nothing is permanent. It is only Christ who is solid. It is only Christ who is sure. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So if Christ is the foundation of the church, then I came to announce to you, my brother, I came to announce to you, my sister, that stand on this rock. The rock which is Christ. For everything else will change. Everything else will change. We've been disappointed with that. No, somebody has not disappointed you before. And by now you know that it is only Christ that we look up to. So look up to him alone. He is the foundation. Look up to Christ. Don't look. Uh, listen, I am a firm believer of miracles. I believe in miracles and I believe that God is performing miracles in our days. And I believe that God is doing great things. But listen carefully, my Christian life is built on Christ and not just on miracles. And so whether the miracle comes or not, I believe on Christ. I stand on the solid right. Uh, when, when death comes to take me away, it doesn't change anything. I am on the Christ. I am on the rock. If something happens, it doesn't change anything. I am on the rock. I came to tell you that if there is something you should build your life around, stop building your life around human beings. Stop building your life around certain things. Stop building your life around arms band. Don't believe that an arm band can protect you. Arms band do not protect. They are robbers. They are robbers. Today, people are believing in stickers. Stickers of, stickers, of, stickers of human beings. And you go to their, their offices and you go to their shops and they have pasted all kinds of stickers there believing that it is the sticker, the picture of that person that can save you. But I came to announce to you that there is only one rock. There is only one rock. And that rock is Jesus Christ. And it is him alone we should stand on. 
On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other grounds, a sinking sand. Everything will fail, but Christ never fails. Even if you believe in me, and even if you trust me, mark it on the wall. When I am 120 years, when I am 150 years, I'll be gone and gone. And where will be your faith? But let us build our life on Christ. I came to direct you to Christ and not to any other person. I came to direct you to only one person. The rock, which is Jesus Christ. And not only any other person. For any other thing will fail. But Christ never fails. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. Let's sing it. On Christ. Shall we stand? Oh, other ground. Oh, Christ, that's all. Nothing else. My hope is built on nothing else. Jesus Christ and righteousness. Oh, I cannot trust the sweetest. Oh, I